Everyone has a desire to be vindicated. That desire rises up in us almost every day. You wish you could play back the tape and prove that you didn't say that one thing or make that one promise or make that one mistake. You want to be vindicated. But if the tape were played back, you might be surprised that you did say it and did promise it and did make the mistake. Our view of ourselves is so skewed that we often miss our own failings. But that desire to be vindicated isn't all bad or wrong. Hello everyone, this is the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Executive Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the pastor at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn about our work to take the gospel to the regions beyond, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. We're looking at the end of Romans chapter 3 where Paul lays out the foundation of the gospel. In it we are redeemed from our sins. In it, God's justice is met and His judgment is propitiated. And as we'll begin to explain today, in this gospel, by faith, a salvation comes to us that vindicates God. We're going to be reading again verses 21 through 26. About five weeks ago, I told you that this was about the most densely compacted paragraph in all the Bible. Most commentators feel that this is the, you might say, the penultimate paragraph in all of scripture. One commentator says this is the most important paragraph that's ever been written and it's rich and there's a lot of information in it. I think this week we'll conclude our consideration of this paragraph but I want to read it to you and as I read it to you there are a couple things I want to point out to you as we're reading it together. You're going to see at the very beginning of the passage this morning we're going to be focusing on verses 25 and 26. But as we read it and we start, we'll notice that there's a reference right from the beginning to the righteousness of God. Take note as you're reading through it that what is being referred to in terms of the righteousness of God at the very beginning of this paragraph is not the same thing that's being referred to in the righteousness of God that you see at the end of the paragraph. But there is a connection between the two of them that we'll talk about this morning. So let me read it to you. Starting in verse 21 of Romans chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forward as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Our sermon title this morning is going to be The Forbearance of a Just God. We're in verses 25 and 26, and I want you to see these statements here. To demonstrate his righteousness, and again in verse 26, to demonstrate his righteousness, and again in verse 26, that he might be just. These declarations of God's righteousness are, in a sense, a focus upon the righteousness of God that is distinct and different from the focus that's on the righteousness of God at the beginning of this paragraph in verses 21. 
the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is ultimately what's being discussed in this paragraph. Although it's not named, that is what is being identified. The work that God has provided in the cross of Jesus Christ. And in that cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, a broad spectrum of the attributes of God can be found. If you took time to think about it and consider it, I think all of the attributes of God could be identified in the work that God accomplished for us at the cross of Jesus Christ. But certainly there we see God's holiness. And certainly there we see God's just wrath being poured out upon sin. And at the same time, we see God's love and we see God's mercy and we see God's grace. And we see the wisdom of God opening up before us in a way that we can grasp and understand. We see in the cross the righteous requirements that God has given us in his law. Also, we see the nature of God's own righteousness presented to us in the cross of Jesus Christ. And so again, in Romans 3.21, where it says the righteousness of God has been revealed, it's emphasizing a certain aspect of God's righteousness. It's the same righteousness that's referred to in Romans 1.17. And this is what's began Paul's conversation up to this point in time. In Romans 1.17, again, Paul says the righteousness of God is revealed. And now he's going to describe and he's going to be putting forward how it is that God's righteousness is revealed in the gospel, in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's revealed in the way that God has worked to redeem us and save us. How it is that God can righteous the unrighteous and justify the unjust, and God can still do it in a righteous and just way. That's what the cross reveals to us. This is what we said some time ago. I want you to listen to this. This is a copy and paste from a sermon that was preached about five months ago on this very idea of the righteousness of God that is presented to us in the first part of this paragraph. And it's important that you hold this and understand this because it will then help us understand this second expression of the righteousness of God that we see at the end of this paragraph. So let me read to you this quote. It tells us what this revealed righteousness of God is that speaks of in Romans 1.17 and that we see here in Romans 3.21. The righteousness of God here is the way in which God provides salvation to sinners without compromising his holy standards. And here's how God does it. God righteously exacts a payment for all our sins, but he exacts it upon the sinless man, Jesus Christ, who is also in very nature the righteous God. Every sin, every broken law must be punished. Not one broken law is ignored or winked at in the salvation that God provides for us. All of it is righteously paid for. Every part of the penalty is enacted, but it was enacted upon the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross in our place. And then this righteous salvation went further than just giving us a righteous forgiveness. It brings us before a holy and righteous God, and it gives to us an everlasting standing before that God. God not only provides righteously the means by which we're forgiven by bearing our sins in our place, but then God makes us righteous by giving to us and crediting to us the unrighteous, unrighteous sinners, the righteousness of the sinless Lord Jesus. And so God's salvation brings us to the righteousness that God requires and that only God can provide. And so when Paul writes in Romans 1.17, the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. And when Paul writes in Romans 3.21, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed, he's referring to this great and wonderful act of God in which he met all the requirements of our sin and all the requirements of his judgment upon that sin, but he met it in Jesus Christ. 
And then he also, in order for us to come before God, we didn't just have to be a blank slate. We had to come before God in righteousness. And so God then poured out and covered us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ so that we might be in his presence. So when it speaks in those passages of the righteousness of God revealed, it's speaking of the righteous way in which God brings us into righteousness or the righteous way in which God saves us, redeems us to himself. However, that is not what's being spoken of and denoted in the last half of this paragraph in verses 25 and 26. There, it's not God's righteous way of saving us that is being brought before us, but it's the way in which God acts according to his righteousness. In other words, it's saying this way that God has saved us only goes to prove that God always acts in a righteous way. God always acts in a way that is true to himself. So what we're being told by Paul now is that what God did for us in providing us a salvation proves or demonstrates that God always acts in appropriate ways to his own righteous character. That what God does is in accord with who God is. In other words, the matter that Paul is addressing in verses 25 and 26 is this. God has vindicated himself in his acts and what he's done. He's demonstrated that he's righteous, that he's just in everything he's done. And this is what we're going to consider this morning. And we're going to consider how Paul sees that vindication of God's righteousness being demonstrated to us in the cross. And the first thing I just want you to note this is, we should be able to identify with this desire of God to be vindicated. Paul is actually saying God has demonstrated this. The word you might have in your translation is God has proven his righteousness. God has proven his righteousness. And you should be able as individuals to identify with this desire of God to be vindicated. If you pick up the Psalms and you go through the Psalms, you'll see at least on four different occasions that the psalmist will pray, God, vindicate me. Vindicate me from those who seek my destruction. Vindicate me from those who are hurling lies about me. In Psalm 26, verse 1, David prays this. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. There's not a person here who hasn't at one point in time over some matter desired that when they were unjustly accused or when they were misunderstood, desired that on some ground, in some way, they would be vindicated. We might think it's an unimportant thing, but the Lord here actually includes a testament of this human desire in the prayers that are recorded in the book of Psalms. He allows for it. He actually, in a sense, encourages it. He says, in a sense, this is a proper and right way and a right desire. God, vindicate me. God, prove the justice that I've done or the way in which I've acted. Now, look at Because we're human, we distort what it is we want to be vindicated. We don't always see the error of our ways. We somehow tell the story and the narrative in a way that prefers ourselves and puts ourselves in the best position. And, and actually, this desire to be vindicated and to be proven right can be distorted into a pure evil. It can be distorted into a self-exalting way in which we lord over other people. Or it can be distorted into some unreasonable need for us to be constantly affirmed, right? Or it can be expressed in a person who is sulky and self-pitying because nobody appreciates me. And it can be twisted in terrible ways, but just note this. That somewhere in the confused psychology of your life that 
seeks affirmation or feels insecure or longs for recognition or feels that you've been misunderstood, somewhere underneath that is a note of the divine that God has created us with a desire for vindication and a desire that what is right and true might shine through in it. It's not wrong to want not to be thought of wrongly, right? It's not wrong to want an unjust conclusion about yourself to be reversed and to be vindicated. God is the same way. And history is moving towards a moment when all things in all of creation will acknowledge and will profess that he has done all things well, that he's done everything good, and God will be vindicated before all of his creations. He has acted, we'll recognize one day, in supreme wisdom and in perfect justice in everything that he's done. The accusation of the unbeliever is something like, how could a good God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How could a powerful and loving God allow blah, 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 blah. Well, listen, God is going to answer those questions. He doesn't deflect them. They're not meaningless to him. God will vindicate himself. And what Paul is saying here is God has vindicated himself at the cross to reveal how it is that a loving God can withhold judgment and how it is that God, a loving God can allow catastrophe. And he brings us back to the cross of Jesus Christ and says here, God proves is the word, demonstrates, vindicates his own righteousness. I want to remind you that our program comes to you at this station Monday through Friday. So come back as we look into the wonder that God would condescend to prove to you and I the justness of his actions in this world. To learn more about our ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until we gather again around the table of God's word, lift up your eyes of faith to consider the highest thoughts you can of God. And as you set your eyes on him, may God bless you.